1: This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. May 17, 1954. In one of the most important decisions in American history, the U.S. Supreme Court rules that segregation in public schools is unconstitutional. The decision in Brown v. Board of Education is unanimous. Segregated public schools are not equal and cannot be made equal, writes Chief Justice Earl Warren. It's a death sentence for the doctrine of separate but equal, the basis for legal segregation. Here's the headline splashed across the top of page one of the San Francisco Chronicle the next day, May 18, 1954 Russ Arms in Guatemala. <coughs> The Chronicle didn't miss Brown v. Board of Education. The second line of that top headline in smaller letters says, Court Bans Segregated Schools. The accompanying story calls the decision epical and notes that it involves a fundamental interpretation of the Constitution covering the entire nation. But it's a lesson in how we interpret the news. In the moment, even if we know something is important, we might not realize how momentous it is. We might not have the perspective. We might have biases that get in the way. If there are historians looking at mid-20th century America in 100 or 200 years, Brown versus Board of Education will be a central topic. A shipment of arms from Soviet-controlled territory to Guatemala as American officials fretted about growing communist influence in Central America? That'll be way down the list if it's remembered at all. But in the newsroom that day, in that first rough draft of history, The Soviet arms shipment seemed a little more important than the Supreme Court ruling that segregated schools violate the 14th Amendment, which guarantees equal protection under the law. That ruling was about a case from Kansas. It was the Topeka Board of Education, and Brown was a guy named Oliver Brown. His daughter, Linda, was denied enrollment at an all-white public school. The local NAACP had recruited Brown and other African-American parents to try to enroll their kids at the white schools closest to their homes. In each case, they were sent instead to a more distant school for black children. Most of the parents were moms. As a legal tactic, NAACP lawyers thought it would be smart to have a man's name on the suit, so Brown was chosen as the named plaintiff. When the case reached the Supreme Court, the justices combined it with similar cases from Virginia, Delaware, South Carolina, and the District of Columbia. The lead NAACP lawyer was Thurgood Marshall, who would later become the first black Supreme Court justice. That unanimous decision didn't just happen. Chief Justice Warren worked hard behind the scenes to convince his fellow justices to sign on to his opinion. He and the other justices who wanted to overturn separate but equal believed that dissenting votes would give segregationists a leg to stand on in their arguments. Warren argued that the only reason to uphold segregation was a belief that blacks, at the time the term was Negroes, were inferior. The others eventually agreed. Here's the heart of the decision, the Chronicle story reads. We come then to the question presented. Does segregation of children in public schools solely on the basis of race, even though the physical facilities and other tangible factors may be equal, deprive the children of the minority group of equal education opportunities. We believe that it does. Not Your Century is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the Editor-in-Chief. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this show, we'd love it if you'd give it a rating and a review. For great journalism today, consider subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle, which you can do in both paper and digital form by going to sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Historical research by Libby Coleman. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.